This podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience at Legend Comics from Omaha, Nebraska. This is Joel and my lovely wife, Taryn. And it is Oscar Sunday, and you are listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast with Joe and Matt. There you go. That's it. That's all there is to it. Welcome to episode 55 of THN, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, February 22nd. And as always, we are reading your damn tweets while we do it. So don't forget to tweet us at Two-Headed Nerd on the Twitter. My name is Matt Baum, and when I am not fueling my disease-riddled body on cold medicine and Irish whiskey just to keep this show rolling, I've also rolled back on the high end of the EQ a little bit so you don't hear how nasal and disgusting I am. I'm writing about and appraising comics for WordPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick, artist and co-creator of Good Plus Online, and when I'm not skipping Matt's wife's Oscar party, which includes the Sport of Kings, high-stake Oscar betting, and of course, themed cocktails, to go to Wisconsin to kiss some guy's baby, you pervert. <laughs> I'm the manager of Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. This week, you'll hear reviews of Mondo number 1 and The Flash number 6. After that, we'll review 10 comics at a speed so fast, the uninitiated will check their iPods to make sure they're in proper working order during the ludicrous speed round, and then we'll pay a visit to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where even more Irish whiskey and cold medicine will allow us to discuss two of next Wednesday's comics. And finally, we'll talk about Jim Rugg and Brian Maruka's aphrodisiac during our monthly Take a look, it's in a book segment, but before we get to that pointless prognostication, let's take a minute to fire up the smoker and slather on the barbecue sauce, because it's the first Friday of Lent at the Ziggurat, and these short ribs aren't going to eat themselves. Then, we'll talk about this week's big news. I'm drinking whiskey and cold medicine recreation. (laughs) Following up on a tweet we received from Fabeck last week, the Wall Street Journal has reported that Edgar Rice Burroughs Incorporated, the company set up by Burroughs to benefit his descendants, is suing Dynamite Entertainment and Dynamic Forces over trademark and copyright issues involving Tarzan and John Carter of Mars. And now, as I think we've proven before on THN, trademark and copyright law is way over our heads. Not for me, man. I feel like a master at uh this point. Yeah. The gist of the suit is that while the original Burroughs stories may be in the public domain here in the United States, the trademarks themselves, the actual characters and their names, are not. This is not to mention the fact that all of the properties in question are not in the public domain in the UK, where the laws are different and ERB Incorporated maintains complete control of the characters and their stories. The suit further claims that the legitimate deals that ERB Incorporated has made with Marvel and Dark Horse regarding the publication of John Carter and Tarzan material are damaged by Dynamite's use of the characters, including the hypersexualized depictions of Dejah Thoris, which the lawsuit calls, quote, Pornographic. That's just ridiculous. Pornographic. Many (laughs) many online comic pundits have pointed out that the Dejah Thoris of Dynamite's books are no different than the way Burroughs himself described the character, but I doubt Burroughs had the chest-thrusting, arched-back, risque variants in mind when he created the character. What do you think, Matt Bomb? I think it's risk variants. I'm the risk, sure the risqua, <laughs> the risqua variants. This, how does this happen? I feel like it, there's so much like intellectual property BS going on right now between like Gary Friedrich and. Edgar Rice Burroughs. It's like celebrity deaths. We can't get (laughs) away. It happens in threes. Yeah, we can't get away from this. I read a a big thing on Heidi McDonald's Comics Beat site. The Beat. The other night, The Beat, which is a great site. And it was a guy talking all about this, how at the same time that stuff like this is happening, there's uh, other artists that are just blatantly selling copyrighted 
artwork. Like, there's a guy that did this huge Star Wars Tatooine scene, and it has the Star Trek figures in there wandering around lost in one part. And he's selling $75 prints, and no one's doing anything about it. Yet, someone is coming after Dynamite, who ships what? Two, three, four thousand copies of this book? I mean, maximum a month. And that's and if you look at it, it's not pornographic. Are they risque? Yes. Okay, now hold on. Is it tasteless? Maybe. But if the that Porn- is pornographic how- might be a stretch, but they are putting out these covers that are essentially Playboy pinups. Yeah, but comics have been doing that forever, man. I mean, come on. Now, maybe she shouldn't be topless in some of them, and they have done some topless variants. Yeah, it's how they're promoting it. To they're be saying, fair. Here's the regular variant where she's got her golden bangles covering her naughty bits. Bangles. And then you can get the one in, ter- one in ten nude variant where you can see her nipples. If they want to say that's offensive, fine, but I feel like they're just using that to further their argument that, look, you don't own this, and we're this is why we're mad, and we're taking it away, or whatever. Well, I mean... What somebody pointed out on uh, Bleeding Cool, I think it was, today, whether or not the Deja Thoris thing has any weight behind it, it, probably not. But the copyright issues, I think, are a slam dunk because... That's, yeah, that's the real issue here. The law is different in the United Kingdom, and yeah. if Marvel and uh, Dark Horse have legitimate deals with this company, I don't know. I just assumed that... <laughs> Dynamite did. I mean, because it just seems suicidal in this day and age to do something like that. I don't care what the property is. It seems like someone is going to come and say, hey, man, you better write me a check first. Yeah. My guess is these are going away from Dynamite well, real quick. I mean, it just goes to show you how screwed up copyright law really is because, yeah, these uh, stories are in the public domain, like the original stories. So if you wanted to do an adaptation of John Carter of Mars or whatever the first book was called... You could, but you probably couldn't call it John Carter. Mr. Carter of Mars. <laughs> uh, in your marketing or on the cover because copyright and trademark are two different things. Right. And they protect two different things. I just It's the same reason why Marvel can publish, or DC can publish stories that feature Captain Marvel, but they can't say Captain Marvel on the, the cover. The fact that they had the stones to go for this just kind of shocks me. I don't, I don't know. know. It's just, it's a messed up situation. Complicated, to say the least. This week, Valiant Entertainment announced a new initiative that once again cracks Twitter in half to drive... Drive curious fans into brick-and-mortar comic retailers. The publisher unveiled the Pullbox variant cover for their upcoming Exo Manowar number 1 by series artist Carrie Nord, who I love, love, love. Yeah. This exclusive variant will be available to any participating retailers to distribute to new and existing customers that create a pull list that includes the title at their local comic shop. In the official press release issued by Valiant Company publisher Fred Pierce said, quote, We're committed to getting as many fans of Valiant's original incarnation as possible back into the brick-and-mortar comic shops on May 2nd for Exo Manowar number 1. There are many lapsed readers out there who haven't visited a store regularly for years, and this limited edition cover is a great way to incentivize the act of opening a pull-list subscription with your local retailer. Valiant hopes that this initiative not only helps get the potential fans excited about the Valiant relaunch, but also helps retailers gauge how to properly order what could potentially be a very tough sell in the current market. What do you think of this idea, Joe? Is it going to convince people that the Valiant relaunch is worth checking out? I will say, the first thing I did when I saw this was tweet out, this is the first good idea I have seen from a publisher to actually help comic book stores. And it is. This is a great idea. Is it going to work? I don't know, but it's a great idea. Better than anybody else has right now. Um, So I have the benefit of having a little bit of 
kind of behind the scenes information about this. The unfortunate reality is because of the nature of the comic book publishing industry and a diamond and how it works, yada, yada, yada. There's no way to exclude stores. There's no way to measure how many pool files you got for it and how many orders. So it's just a line item on the order form. You can order as many as you want. It's kind of an honor system thing. It's still a good idea. There's nothing to stop retailers from just ordering all variants. It's kind of toothless, though. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a good step in the right direction, and it's a good effort. It's definitely good faith. It's being done in yes. good faith. And if retailers uh, stay faithful to the spirit of the idea... And they always do. Always, That's the good thing always. about comic retailers. They're the most <laughs> honest, sweet people on the planet. Uh, but I mean, if it works, it, it could be it could be good. I'm gonna order one because I think it's cool, and I plan on reading yeah, this anyway. I mean, I was excited for the Valiant relaunch already, not because I was a fan of the stuff back in the day, but because I heard about it and heard how great it was back then. And they seem to be really pushing it and really working hard with fans and retailers to get people excited. They're yeah. not just throwing it out there, and it's not like. Sorry, Dark Dark Horse, but it's not like the Dark Horse Gold Key revamps, right? Or the where they Atlas, just were like the recent Atlas. Here launched. you go, Doctor Solar, and yeah. then nobody cared. You think you know the Mighty Samson? <laughs> uh, well, you might. Uh. And whether the books are whether the books were good or not doesn't matter. It's that they had no push behind them, and nobody cared. And Valiant is really trying, and I, I hope it succeeds. So if you're interested, we urge you to talk to your retailer about it and and get more information. For retailers that might be listening, Valiant has told me that you will be able to see a full preview of the issue Joe on their Patrick, website. This is Valiant. Yeah. Well, it's true. message for you. I spoke to Adam <laughs> at Adam exclamation point. Adam. Did you say, "Hey, Adam, can you, can you float us some preview copies to talk about it?" There the will be a full lettered oh. PDF on their website available for retailers nice. in advance of the order so that we can really see what they have to offer. Very nice. It's not We're not just ordering blind here. They're really trying. That's so. very cool. That's very cool. Yeah. Speaking of speculating, Heritage Auctions, the go-to source for high-end collectibles that you will never, ever own. I was writing about them today. <laughs> auctioned off a staggering collection this week featuring 45 of the Overstreet Guide's top 100 most valuable and historically significant comic books of all time. Dubbed the Billy Wright Collection, the stack of books consists of 345 comics, the bulk of which were published between 1938 and 1941, which... It's a pretty tight window. As any collector knows, is the real sweet spot. Yeah, pretty much. Named for its late owner, uh, the Billy Wright Collection was found neatly stacked in a Virginia basement by the owner's great-nephew, Michael Rohrer. I just can't believe this crap still happened. I know, right? Included in the collection... Captain America Comics number two, CGC 9.4. 9.4. For those who don't know, CGC stands for Comics Grading Company, and they put a grade on the comics based on a 1 through 10, 10 being the best. It's like uh, getting an authentication saying, yes, this is a certified comic in this condition by experts. Yeah. All American Comics 16, first appearance of Green Lantern, Alan Scott. Batman number one, CGC 8.5. Marvel Comics number one, CGC at 7.5. Staggering. And Action Comics number one in 3.0. Even in 3.0. Yeah. And Detective Comics 27, first Batman first at 6.5. The entire collection was originally projected to fetch $2 million at auction. But as of Wednesday, with about 100 comics still left to auction... 
the Billy Wright collection has brought in a staggering $3.5 million. Better than finding a musty box of Death of Superman comics in the attic. A little bit, but a little better. Yeah. But people still call it week. Hey, man, I got the death of Superman. They're still, still in, the in the plastics. It's in near mint condition. This comic's been peed on, sir. $3.5 million. My question is, and, and I write about this every month for Worth Point. I want to know who's buying this stuff. Who, you know, like, who is rich, dropping rich, this money? Rich, rich-ass dudes. I mean, is it all Nicolas Cage? I don't know. <laughs> I, like, I mean... If you look at the breakdown, and you can find it on the Heritage Auctions website, like that Action Comics went for three hundred, uh, two hundred eighty-five grand. The Detective went for enormous amount, and we're talking hundreds of thousands of oh, dollars yeah. Oh, yeah. each. And that's only the first two hundred or so comics out of the three hundred and fifty comic collection. Yeah, this is. I mean, this is one I'm going to be watching and writing about in the future here. Unreal. But the, the good thing is there is that much love for this stuff out there, and yeah. as long as there's people that are this interested in it, these characters are going to continue to survive, continue to be relevant. This is why comics are important, and I don't mean to just turn it back into money. But when you look at that number, when you look at three point five million dollars for comics from the forties, that is important, man. This yeah. is an American art form. This is real art, and people love it so much they're willing to drop hundreds of thousands of dollars on it, okay? It's true. So the THN recommendation for the week, club your grandma on the back of the neck with that <laughs> statue on her mantle and start rummaging through the attic today. That is the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything we missed, hit us up on our Facebook page where you can bid on the esteemed THN collection featuring full runs of Housewives at Play, Zen the Intergalactic Ninja, Sinja, and Gangrene Jiu-Jitsu Gerbils. Before we move on, Joe Patrick, read us a tweet from one of our adoring fans. Our first tweet, as always, comes from Matt's wife, Casey. <laughs> Who's in the other room. Who sent... Us a link to something called Hot Dog Man. Oh boy! And she asks, "Is Hot Dog Man real? I need to know." This is in all caps. The girl's obsessed with hot dogs lately, uh, and she would like to blog about it on her blog, girlmeetsnerd.blogspot.com. God, I love hot dogs. Don't type Hot Dog Man into Google. Do not, <laughs> because when I was trying to do my due diligence, do yourself a favor. It, it was a bad scene, man. Um, funny story. The only thing I could find about Hot Dog Man was that he was created by Hatch from Double Dare. What? <laughs> what? Money is it is review time here at THN. As always, Joe and I had a good old-fashioned BK Big Fish eating contest for Lent, and man, can this dude put away some breaded processed fish patties. Yum. Joey, what'd you read this week? I read The Flash number six. This is written by Francis Manipal and Brian uh, Bucciletto. We We go through this all the time. Uh, the art is by Manipal and the colors by Bucciletto. Now, the creative team switched gears after this issue had already been solicited. Uh, they decided that the Captain Cold story was more important, and so they pushed aside the one they were going to do and, and moved this one forward. Oh, that's right. So, the solicitation I read last week in the Sanctum Sanctorum does not match at all. So, I wrote one of my very own. Captain Cold is back. And as usual, he's not too happy with the Scarlet Speedster. The classic rogue returns with a new look and new powers that stop the Flash in his tracks. Meanwhile, the Speed Force builds to critical mass, threatening to destroy the fabric of space and time. Can the Flash stop Captain Cold and save his current girlfriend, the one that got away, and the city without destroying the universe? 
Yeah, probably. No, he doesn't do it. Yeah, probably. He dies. <laughs> that was pretty good. Thank you. Not I bad. I wrote that. Let's get this out of the way right now. I hate the Captain Cold redesign. It's dumb. It is dumb. Uh, Manipole ditched the old parka for a sleeveless hoodie that makes Captain Cold look completely ridiculous. And you know what? I'm okay with the hoodie. I'm fine with that. But sleeveless? That is, is he, just and I'm not. stupid. And I'm he just, still had the glasses I know, and everything. I know. You know. I, this isn't just a cranky old man thing, though I am one of those. Uh, but there is a goofy... You're a, you're a cherubic fool. What are you talking about? <laughs> there is a goofy charm that comes with old comic book villains, especially the Flash rogues gallery. Oh, yeah. And when that gets thrown out in favor of modern edginess... Is it even modern? This looks like 1993. In fact, <laughs> I, I tweeted that at you. I just think it loses something special. And Jeff Johns proved that you can embrace that silliness and still make the characters relevant. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So, I, I, do, I just don't need that, that kind of alteration. Uh, now, that said, I really enjoyed this issue. Um... Despite being the character's first appearance in the New 52, this is not Flash and Captain Cold's first meeting. The old Cold Gun has been replaced by new powers, but the fact that Cold is different is addressed by the characters, which I appreciated. There is a bit of retconning here, uh, adding some compelling motivation for Captain Cold's attack, and the new powers explain how somebody like him can be a formidable threat to somebody that can run at the speed of light. And I really enjoyed they did a the really, way yeah, they, they did a they really did nice that. job doing that. And, I, okay, as much as I hate the new outfit, they did make this Captain Cold a much better Flash villain. Because the old Captain Cold, who I liked, I mean, like, on paper, he loses that fight every time. Well, there was know? always a, a bit of suspension of disbelief yeah, required, there obviously. had to be. But this, they... Why isn't the Flash the most powerful character in the DC Universe? Yeah, I mean... I mean Honestly. Because he can't be. Now, the Speed Force subplot that's been building in the background kind of overlaps with the main story nicely. And I am really excited to see where Manipal and Bucoletto uh, go with this new idea. There is a, a very simplistic writing style to this book, which I think takes a little getting used to. Uh, but the story content and the visuals are very modern. And the way in which the story is told and the dialogue is written feel kind of like a throwback to older comics, which isn't a negative in my opinion, but it may be hard for some readers to latch onto. The art is, of course, uh, stunning. It's beyond reproach. Yeah, Manipal is, uh, this book especially. He's taken it to a completely new level, and the panel designs and the page layouts are like a breath of fresh air, and the way he incorporates things like the titles and the sound effects into the art is really gorgeous. Yeah, the opening page where it said, like, DC, yeah, DC Comics, Comics proudly, proudly presents, presents the Flash into yeah. icebergs and everything. Uh, I that just love it. Really cool. The color really works with the art. It creates this kind of watercolor style palette that uh, it just it makes this one of the best looking Yeah, that's all Buccioletto. He's doing that. In the new 52. And it, I love it. Yeah, this team is just amazing. And I, so I think that the fact that both of the book's writers are also responsible for the visuals make this book a much stronger title than some of the others. Yeah, you know, they're they're working definitely. so closely together for, on all aspects. So the bottom line for me is six issues in, and I'm still really enjoying it. The Flash consistently is one of my favorites in the New 52. This issue was no exception. I'm giving it a strong buy it. I'm with you. Strong buy it for me as well. I hate the Captain Cold redesign. It wasn't but, a deal breaker. But there, everything else about this book is so high quality. And I, and I totally agree. I think it is the fact that the writer 
and artist and colorist are all working on the same job. This it's very much it feels like the same spirit that's behind some of my favorite indie books. Yeah, yeah. Because they care so much about what they're doing. And you know what? Of all people, Rob Leefield in a recent interview, was talking about when you do comics by committee, they generally turn out really crappy. And the more people you strip out of it, the better they are. And this team is fantastic. And I think it's because there's no one to ruin anything. It's true. They're just knocking it out of the park. It's huge buy it for me as well. Matt, tell me a little bit about Mondo. I read Mondo number one from Image Comics, which was written and drawn by Ted McKeever. Mondo is a story of Catfish Mandu, which is a fun little pun on Catmandu, I guess. I don't know. Sure. Uh, Scrawny mute working in a chicken enhancement department of Super Chicken Poultry. (laughs) Super Chicken made the reputation by supplying giant chickens to the public, of course, by irradiating them. Mandu has recently been seeing chickens following him and even found a strange egg at his doorstep. And then one day, after suffering the usual abuse from his co-workers, Mandu falls into the chicken enhancement machine where he's irradiated, but mysteriously he survives the process. The rest of the factory is destroyed, but Mandu rises from the ashes, a giant hulking, super strong, yet only half-enhanced monster. He's still really skinny on one side. It's really gross. Uh... I've been a Ted McKeever fan for a long time, and he's definitely an acquired taste. This is by far the tamest Ted McKeever art I can remember. It's true. If you look back at his work on The Extremist or Toxic Gumbo or even the Batman stuff that he's done in the past, he has this unmistakable frantic style that just like borders on completely abstract sometimes really heavy line really thick black work and his colors were always really limited now this is a black and white book so we can really see him shine here i can see the old mckeever in a lot of panels here but he's really cleaned this up this is a very straightforward kind of superhero story for ted mckeever now Keep in mind, it's completely wacky. Oh, yeah. It's completely nuts. It's very violent, just like everything he does. But ultimately, this is pretty much a straight-up superhero story. And I kind of could not believe what I was reading. Because everything else he's done has been so nuts. <laughs> like, just completely off-the-wall nuts. He's he's definitely building something here. We meet, an, we meet another character named Kitten Caboodle, who's like a sexy roller-skating chick that rips a guy's arm off and forces it down his throat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure where he's going to go with this, but it's a lot of fun so far. The final four pages of this, I have to say, some of the best art I've ever seen from Ted McKeever. And I'm not going to give away what's happening, but it does end with a giant bloody chicken in the doorway. <laughs> like, th- this is just... It's not going to be for everybody because it is wacky and it is weird and it's from the mind of Ted McKeever who is a crazy person. But I'm giving this a buy it. If you want to try something a little off the beaten path, it is a black and white comic as well and not everybody can get into that. It's also a weird format. It's also a weird format. And I'll be the first to admit that I scream every time I see a comic book that's not in standard format. I hate them. Now, strangely enough, give me a full Gutenberg Bible-sized graphic novel, and I'm totally down. Well, yeah, because you, know? you can put that on a bookshelf. Yes, I like the IDW Master Series that come out that are full comic page size. I drool over those. Love them. Oh, the artist But the editions? second you make a comic a little too small or a little too big, I hate it. Tell me that won't fit in a regular bag <laughs> yeah, and board. Yeah, I just hate it. It won't, it won't fit with everything else. Regardless, I'm giving this a really big buy-it. This was a lot of fun. 
totally bizarre and again not for everybody but buy it for me yeah i i was not historically a fan of ted mckeever because i remember that 90s work he did and i just it never really grabbed me but when i looked at this and i saw that it was tame is the wrong word it's a different style totally and completely stripped down i really liked it i really liked it it's a little less surreal but no less insane. Oh yeah, and I, it just really caught me. And I finished it, and I my first thought was, "Man, that was awesome!" And it's not even that I'm that hooked into the story. It was just so much fun to read. Yeah, it was just weird and funny and bizarre. Yeah, and whether or not Mondo survives, or if there's a villain, or even a con- a plot. Uh, right at this point, I don't even care. But I am giving Mondo number one a big buy it because I thought it was totally great. So that is a double buy it for The Flash, number six, and a double buy it for Mondo, number one. As always, we want to know what you nerds think of our opinions of these comic books, and if we are completely off base and incorrect, you better tell us on our damn Facebook page. It's there for a reason, you know. Joe Patrick, read a tweet at me. All right, we got a tweet here from John Bunger, and I missed it before, but he's brought up the question to me before. Nerd challenge, you can only afford 10 comics a month, and you don't work at a comic shop the horror (laughs) what the hell does that mean what would be on your poll list now john i didn't see this until just this very second and we do not have time we don't have time to do 10 so we're doing bullet to the head one comic matt what is it gun to the head not bullet to the head bullet to the head psychopath bullet in your brain (laughs) uh one comic i off the top of my head i'm saying matt fractions thor i love it really i love that book i do it just popped right into my head maybe daredevil oh (laughs) maybe mark wade's daredevil shoot I was going to say Batman, but now I think it's Daredevil. I think it is Daredevil. I think it's Mark Wayne's Daredevil. Ah! <laughs> oh, John, the question is too hard to do. You some bitch. We'll give it some thought and maybe revisit it when we have a little bit more time. Or a real website where we could write a blog. Well, get on it. Oh, me? Oh, no, I need to get on it. Yeah. That's great. Yep. Now, join us in the DHN Sanctum Sanctorum, where our pair of giant swinging Norn stones will give us the power to see the future of Next Wing's comics. Joe, <laughs> what comic has our bulging, shining Norn stones chosen for you? You gotta read this before I, before I say it. I have chosen... Batman Beyond Unlimited number one. I was a little shocked. Well, it was that or the shade, and I figured people were bored by yeah, it. Yeah, everybody, everybody's shade. sick of that. We know who your boyfriend is. This is by Adam Beechin, with art by Norm Brayfogle and Dustin Wynn. I was not uh, super enthusiastic about past <laughs> Batman Beyond comics, but I like Dustin Wynn a lot, and I like Norm Brayfogle a lot. And I'm going to give it a try. I'm cautiously optimistic, Matt. Tell me something about your bulging nonsense. <laughs> Next week, I'm looking forward to Star Trek number six from IDW, written by Mike Johnson with art by Joe Caroni. This is the conclusion to the Operation Annihilate story, which sees Captain Kirk reuniting with his estranged brother and saving a colony. And yes, that stands. That's real continuity. There was a brother up your butt. <laughs> Of course, we want to know what you nerds will be reading next week. 
I just drew a complete blank. <laughs> Great story. Yeah. The, yada, yada, yada. TwoEditNerd.com yeah, Facebook. Right. Yeah, all that. <laughs> sure. Now, it is time to celebrate George Washington's birthday the only way we know how by using the THN time platform to rip a hole in the fabric of reality, sending us back in time to smoke opium with the ugly old first president while we review 10 comics in the ludicrous speed round. Ludicrous speed. Go! Nazi Zombies, number one! This is two stories by Joe Wright from Antarctic Press. The first with art by Ben Dunn of Ninja High School and Warrior Nun Ariella fame. It pits a small group of American British soldiers against German Toten Corps, which means dead core. Uh, you know, this wasn't bad. Joe White, the writer, drew the second one. It was alright as well, but I got kind of thrown off when the Nazis started driving tanks. Kinda hate that. You mean Warrior Nun Areola. You know what? Buy it. In your face. Secret Avengers number 23. I don't know what you were talking about last issue. I totally love the new Secret Avengers. Hardman's art didn't freak no, out. No, I think it's wonderful. I thought it was a little too much. Irredeemable Ant-Man is totally stepping up and being a hero. And uh, Captain Britain is there. And Hawkeye's all mad at Captain America because Captain America turned over the team to him. But then won't leave him alone. It's awesome. I'm giving it a huge buy it. And also they revealed that the original Human Torch killed Hitler. <laughs> The Last Zombie, Neverland, number one. This is also from Antarctic. They had two zombie books in the same week. This takes place in a post-zombie apocalypse. Dr. Ian Scott sweats out the zombie plague in a FEMA bunker in Colorado. His fiance is in a similar bunker in Virginia. When he loses contact, he convinces some troops to go trek across the country and find her. But all that happens in a whole nother series and a giant forward at the beginning of this book. <laughs> this just sort of like dropped you in the middle of the story. I wasn't really sure what was going on. That said, it was not poorly written, and I'm kind of interested in reading the other stuff. I did not love the art. It had that kind of atypical gold digger Antarctic manga look to it. Yeah. But I'm giving it a skip it. Atomic Robo, Ghost of Station X, number five. Uh, this is the end of yet another Atomic Robo volume, and I love it the most. I love Atomic Robo more than I love many things on this earth. And this issue was bittersweet, and it was hilarious. And the art by uh, Scott Wegner is awesome, and the dialogue by Brian Clevenger is hilarious. I'm giving it a huge buy it. Why aren't you reading Atomic Robo, you monsters? You're a bunch of jerks, all of you. Witchblade, Red Sonia, number one. I'm talking to you, too. I read this one so you don't have to. I was shocked at how bad the cover art was because the interior art by Cesar Rezic was pretty good. That guy is actually pretty solid. Now, keep in mind, a lot of cheesecake here. Everyone is almost naked all the time. The dialogue is terrible. Somebody call Edgar Rice Burroughs. I find, I find it very hard to believe the Witchblade's cop sidekick just points a gun at a giant devil snake and shoots at it briefly. Like, you got to know by now that is not how it works. I'm giving this a leave it. <laughs> no Place Like Home, number one from Image Comics. Uh, this is a new series. Last, issue, uh, last week we had a Peter Pan kind of allegory. Now yeah. we've got a Wizard of Oz allegory. You know what? I didn't even pick up on that. It takes place in Kansas and everything. Yeah. Well, totally over my hello, head. Hello, it's called No Place Like Home. And there's a tornado the that gal's, kills our parents. The gal's name is Dee Dee. She's got surrender tattooed on her boobs. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't bad. It was violent and gory. There is a supporting character whose name I completely forgot that I want to die horribly Whoa. in the very next Whoa. issue because she is so annoying. Otherwise... I thought it was kind of okay. The art was decent. It reminded me a bit of uh, early G.H. Williams. I'm giving it a skim it. Incorruptible 27. This one was billed as a good jumping on point, which is funny because the series ends in like three issues. So (laughs) I don't know why you would jump on here. That said, I jumped back on because I'm way behind in this series, which I do enjoy. And I did enjoy this comic book. 
I don't totally love the art here. It's a little too loose for me, but really good story. Really good characterization as always. Mark Wade does a fantastic job in the series. Buy it. Profit, 22. I was a little bit lukewarm on the first issue of Profit, but now that I've gotten another chapter under my belt, I totally loved it. This one I am all awesome. in. Totally awesome. I just I just needed a little bit more time to get used to it. It was totally great. It was weird and gross and awesome. Yeah, the art is really good. There's a lot of weird alien bug sex stuff going on in the background. <laughs> uh, I'm giving it a big buy. It, it was sex. really good. You want you want us to buy your book? Give us more bug sex. <laughs> the mighty THN is in. The mighty Thor number eleven. We were talking about badass art earlier with Francis Manipole, and Pascal Ferry is out of his mind, talented and nailing this book and there's another guy named Pepe Larraz who's giving art credits. I didn't even notice until Joe Patrick pointed it out to me. Maybe he just did some finishes or the last couple pages, but it is absolutely imperceptible. Yeah, if you're going to have a fill-in artist, that's gorgeous. the way. Yeah. Man, this book looks good, and the story is awesome. I love Matt Fraction's Thor. I can't remember the last time it's been this good. Buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it. Savage Hawkman number six. Speaking of jumping back into things after a long absence, <laughs> what made me pick it up is that this is the new 52 introduction of the Gentleman Ghost. It's the exact same thing I was talking about with Captain Cold. You took everything that was cool and fun about the original Gen- Gentleman Ghost and totally shit all over it by making him... He's got armor and weird tentacle arms, and you can see his face. What? It's awful. What? Awful. Leave it. It's the worst. Glort, that is your ludicrous speed round, and Glort is the sound it makes when Prophet throws a future mutant through a membrane window that might also be a butthole, as seen <laughs> in the pages of this week's Prophet 22. It's that time of the month where Matt and I like to put on our smoking jackets and cuddle up by the fire in the THN reading room for a segment we like to call Take a Look. It's in a book. This month's reading was Jim Rugg and Brian Maruka's Aphrodisiac, yeah. a collection of stories about Alan Diesler, janitor by day, but by night he cleans up the street as the black, bad, always mad, irresistible, smooth, dark chocolate brother, Aphrodisiac. Are we allowed to say any of that? I think so. I'm black, so it's cool. <laughs> Rugg and Maruka obviously share a love for black exploitation films of the 1970s like Shaft, Dolomite, Truck Turner, and Black Belt Jones, and they've applied it directly to their comic book storytelling. This is Luke Cage Overdrive. Oh, is yeah. What we get here. This is a collection of stories that have almost no continuity whatsoever and take place all over the history of comic books as we know it. It's made to look like there was Aphrodisiac comics in the 50s, in the 60s, in the 70s. Each story borrows from comics from the golden age all the way up to today with almost no reoccurring characters other than Richard Nixon. <laughs> right, Richard Nixon is the through line. <laughs> sometimes he's a villain, sometimes Aphrodisiac's arch rival. The art here is is just perfect. It reminds me sometimes of Steve Ditko, other times of Mike Alred, sometimes of Jeffrey Brown. I mean, it like they they go everywhere from flat out Marvel Comics Silver Age ripoff to like San Francisco indie style comics to the like watered down fifties like 
EC stuff after Congress came in and told them they can't have <laughs> blood and gore, and they tried to hide everything behind word bubbles. And like, <laughs> there's a giant cockroach story <laughs> where he's fighting this giant roach, and every time they like show the cockroach, he the roach itself is like moving to cover up the word roach, so it's just like like night of the giant cock. Roach. <laughs> just thinly veiled sexuality. You have white women fawning all over. It. All women. Like, all over aphrodisiac constantly. Like they cannot fight his sex appeal. This is one of the most ridiculous fun reads I've had in a long time. And I cannot wait to read more from these guys. Oh, yeah. And the art... Uh, it shifts in style so flawlessly yeah, that you wouldn't even know it's by the same it's guy. It's one guy doing this, and it, it's just amazing how he moves back and forth. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. And the the lettering is done by hand, and the sound effects are done by hand, and it's all part of the art. Well, and they put it together so you feel like you just moved into an apartment and you found this box that was left behind <laughs> of some dude's old, weird comics. Oh. And, you know, and he had them in order, so you went through and sort of read... Like, like from the old ones to the new ones and it was the same character but he kept getting a slightly newer like sexier take on him you know but the dialogue is still completely ridiculous there's all these like fake ads for different things like a life-size nipsey russell poster there's a fake ad for, for the aphrodisiac cartoon which looks suspiciously oh, like yeah. super friends with hoes yeah it's got like a, a cartoon sidekick and a dog and then all these women in bikinis it's and, like and like the first few pages there's like all these scribbles they, like if you've ever worked in any comic book store or dug through old boxes of comic books kids used to draw on their comics all the time and write stuff and the introduction looks just like some like 15 year old kid who thought aphrodisiac was like the baddest mother ever was like writing directly on his comics and stuff like ah they put so much thought into collecting this that it moves past the wacky black exploitation comic that is and it becomes a really solid masterpiece of storytelling it really does this is just great stuff. These are guys that did their homework, that have paid attention to all the old EC, Marvel, Gold Key garbage that came yeah. out. Oh, speaking of Gold Key, one of the best fake ads is uh, is an old Gold Key Hanna-Barbera monta- uh, homage, <laughs> yeah. where it's Aphrodisiac versus a wizard, and he's being turned into a duck. <laughs> And Dizjak is crossed out, and Duck is scrawled in in crayon, so it looks Afro Duck. He said, "Quack you, mother quacker!" (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is a perfect example of something that I think can only be done in printed comics. Yes, it's a graphic novel. You need to hold it. You need to look at it. You need to see how some pages are shinier than others. Yeah, how the coloring looks. And this is not going to work on digital. And they thought about this from page one to the very end. You can tell a lot of thought went into the way that it looks, the way that it's colored, the way that the paneling is, the way that they even like wedged in the little like side stories and single Sunday like strips and stuff that drop in. This is really an amazing read. I can't give this a bigger buy it. And I gotta say, after the soul-crushing experience that was Habibi... (laughs) It's like a palate cleanser. such a wonderful chaser. (laughs) Just lighten the mood a bit. Really. Yeah, it's a nice, compact, hardcover volume. It's only 15 bucks. If you are... If you have any slight even uh, appreciation for old 70s style black exploitation. 
or even like just wacky out there comics from a bygone era there's no reason not to buy this they keep reprinting it my copy is the third printing get out there aphrodisiac buy it yeah i'm really hoping to bump into these guys one of the cons i'm gonna go to this summer because i need an aphrodisiac sketch man it's <laughs> just too good i love it we want to know what you thought of aphrodisiac so drop us a line at our facebook page and let us know if you want to read along with us next month we will be reading strike force moratori volume one from marvel when we take a look it's in a book I've always been wanting to read that. I'm In very March. excited. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Sort of break it, break it down like this. That's it for this Oscar-nominated edition of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast. If you agree with us in thinking that Descendants did not live up to all the hype and everyone that loved it, quote-unquote, is just trying to sound intelligent, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. And while you're there, please leave us a star rating or even a short written review. We got a couple recently, and they were great. Yes, Thank you guys. Huge thanks to everyone who's donated to the show, and if you'd like to help fund our Oscar gambling disease... And it is a disease. That's right. 1-800-BETS-OFF. You can make your donation in any amount by clicking our donate button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed and our email, TwoHeadedNerd at gmail.com, where you can make suggestions for our Take a Look, It's in a Book reading. You can ask your nerdiest questions for our Ask a Nerd segment or beg for reading suggestions from the Comic Pushers, baby, and keep your THN mascot art coming. I'm serious. It's is going to be a thing. You're going to be a proud winner everyone's gonna look at you and say wow you did it you You accomplished drew the two-headed nerd something and now it's somebody's really lousy tattoo (laughs) if that's not enough head on over to our facebook page where you can become a fan of thn and answer the question of the week this week's query does valiant's new pull box initiative interest you as a collector and would you like to see it spread to other publishers Good question. It is a good question. It is. I'm proud of you. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Sam McGuffey, who I haven't seen in years, and this is a test to see if he actually listens to this show after I told him about it yesterday. Word to you, Sam, maybe. And until next time, (laughs) true believers, this is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. You know what I'm calling my shot right now? Winner of the THN mascot contest? Getting a tattoo on my body. I'm doing it. Jesus. There it is. 